illness. After I beat your ass again, you go to the back of the line, and I'm done with you. So the line's been drawn in the sand here, Dan. Kylan King essentially saying no more title shots for Marina Tucker if she can't win the title here tonight. Oh! Welcome back to another episode of CCW Insider, where you hear about the matches and stories from wrestling's last territory, Coastal Championship Wrestling. I'm Ryan Joy, and I run MinutesToBellTime.com, a website and database tracking pro wrestling from around the world. In episode number two, I sit down with CCW Women's World Champion, Kylan King. Now, Kylan has a tremendous story, and she has become quite the CCW mainstay in recent months. I'm also going to be playing some clips from Kylan King's feud with Marina Tucker. That's actually how we're going to get things kicked off on this week's episode. So listen in to the roar of the crowd as Dan Evans and the manager of champions, Bill Alfonso, call the action as Kylan King becomes the new CCW Women's World Champion. talking with CCW World Women's Champion Kylan King, who defends her title against Ashley Dumbois on Friday, April 22nd at CCW St. Lucie Showdown. Good morning, Kylan. Good morning. How are you? I'm great. I'm great. Uh, there's so much to talk about between your championship win and you know your upcoming matches and stuff like that. Uh, but before we get into that, I want to talk a little bit about your journey. You did an interview with Denise Salcedo earlier this year. It was absolutely eye-opening to me. And, you know, we always hear legends like Mick Foley talking about living in their cars and barely earning enough money to make it to the next town and stuff. And I think maybe as wrestling fans, we look at that and automatically think, you know, gee, I'm glad things like things aren't like that anymore. And but in doing so, I think we overlook the struggles that people like yourself go through to succeed in wrestling. And I wondered. I, you know, I think we'd be doing fans a service if we could 
if you could tell people a little bit about your ex your experiences when money kind of got short in uh, coming up. Yeah, um, my <laughs> my decisions when it came to making wrestling like the day and night commitment probably wasn't the best decisions to make. Like I moved halfway across the world to get my wrestling training started. And when I got here, I had like maybe $500 to my name before I even had a job. Um, I literally lived paycheck to paycheck. I was lucky if I had 50 cents in my bank account before we got paid. And uh, I had a very hard time holding out a job because uh, whenever they would ask me about my schedules, I would tell them, well, I can't work any of these days. And they'd be like, excuse me? I'd be like, well, I'm a wrestler. Wrestling is, you know, commitment number one. And the job works around that, not not vice versa. So I had a really hard time holding a job down, which is why I was never financially stable uh, my first couple of years as a wrestler. Um, uh, there was one point where I was living with my brothers, and then the only way we could afford to live together was because there was like four of us in one household. Mm -hmm. um, then after that, after we all went our separate ways, I moved in with a wrestling buddy of mine. But I was so broke at the time that I ended up having to leave because I didn't want our friendship to be ruined by the fact that I couldn't pay rent. Um, and then I ended up moving in with a complete stranger who I worked or who was a friend of a buddy that I worked with because she needed someone to live with or someone to help pay the rent and uh, never met her before. Very strange lady. But uh, thank God, like she just let me do my own thing. I lived, I just showed up to sleep at her house and then I went off to work and stuff like that. So there was a lot of really bizarre scenarios that I ended up in just because wrestling was numero uno and the financial situation. I, I like, I didn't pay, I didn't act like an adult when it came to that stuff. I just said, nah, man, we're going to just, it, wrestling is the thing. We're going to do that. Um, finances be damned. So um, right before, like the year before COVID, I finally got a, a, financially stable job that gave me a schedule that I could keep. Um, and in order not to go completely broke and become homeless, my schedule was, uh, I would work overnights at the Orlando airport. I would work from like 8 PM to like seven, 8 AM. I would do that Sunday through Friday, Friday morning. I get off of work, hop in a car with some strangers, drive all weekend show to show. And then Sunday night, get out, take a shower and go right back to work. So, that was my life leading up to uh, to COVID. And then when COVID hit, I lost my job and I thought for sure, okay, this is it. I'm finally gonna be homeless. And uh, um, thankfully my boyfriend, uh, we were at the point in a relationship where it made sense to move in together. Not long after that, Billy Gunn hit me up about AEW and I was able to start uh, taking my journey with them. But even before I went to AEW, like before unemployment and all that stuff kicked in, I had maybe like $200 in my bank account because <laughs> that's just like I was always one of those people where it's like okay I'll put a little bit aside for the finances but then all this has to go to wrestling merch gear like all that stuff and again like it's one of those things that you look back on and like nobody's parents would ever teach their child like hey this is how you you, you should handle your finances or or you, that's not how you should make decisions but that's what I did because there was always this instinct that if I put that secondary there was always a chance that like I would lose the focus on wrestling and it wouldn't, I wouldn't be where I am right now. So. It feels like, you know, dues paid in full. It feels like, you know, when I, yeah. When I hear that story. <laughs> yeah. And like, and like, it's crazy too, because 
when you're first starting out as a wrestler, you're lucky if you make 20 bucks at a show. Right. Mm -hmm. And uh, so I would have, like I said earlier, I would hop in the car with strangers and uh, we would have to split the car between like, I don't know, eight people just so we oh, could wow. all give them a little bit of gas because, yeah, because like if you, if you know, you're only going to be making this much on a show, you want to make sure that everybody can contribute to the person whose car it is to give them enough gas that we were all still leaving with a little something. Mm -hmm. So uh, my, my uh, wrestling paychecks would literally go towards gas and something to eat. And then maybe a couple bucks for, for the bus later on that week. <laughs> yeah. So it, it was, it was a rough time. I, it's one of those things where I, I'm very much underselling it. There was a lot more to it. Um, I used to, there was one point where I was so financially broke. This was like the first two years after I moved to Florida that I would walk half, like my, my job was like 20 minutes away from where we lived. I would walk halfway to my job take a bus there and then I would bring clothes to change into. And then after I was done with my shift, I would run home. And it was like a 10 mile hiatus. Wow. Like it was, a, yeah, it was, it was far. And that's what I would do to save money. Like it's, it was, it was a very crazy rough situation. I ate Dollar Tree for like two, three years, just so I could have a few extra bucks in my, my account to, for things. And so I could afford school and all that stuff. Um, but you know, when, when it's something you really want, you just, whatever it takes. And that's, that's where my mindset was because I had waited until I was almost 24, 25 to get into wrestling and in women years, that's kind of like a late start. Yeah. Uh, we're trying to break that mold, but in most people's eyes, that's a late start. So in my head, it was like a do or die situation. I was like, I already waited so long to pursue this. I said, so we're going to go balls to the walls and we're not going to make any excuses. And that's, that's how my journey was, but that's how my, that's how a lot of people's journeys are. We just don't talk about it a lot. <laughs> no. I, and like I said, in the beginning, like we hear those stories from the legends, right. But we don't hear them these days. So I, that's why I think it's so valuable that you, that you're telling your story because uh, I think fans need to appreciate that. Um, yeah. You know, and what, what you all are doing for, you know, for yourself and, and to entertain us, but I guess, was there ever a time that you were totally burned out uh, and ready to quit and pursue something else when facing all these struggles? Um, yes and no. So it's kind of, th there, are, there are numerous occasions where I could tell you that I just sat there in my own thoughts going, why am I putting myself through all of this? But at the same token, in those same moments of thinking, I would think about all of the moments that led up to me finally transitioning into becoming a professional wrestler. Wrestling was something I wanted since I was a young kid. It was something I avoided because of the circumstances of my life. So um, I went on this very wild journey of pursuing all these different things that ironically helped me evolve to become a better performer. Um, so like dance, martial arts, theater, uh, I studied creative writing. So that helped my creatives. So, like I studied a lot of different things, pursued a lot of different avenues, played a bunch of sports just to lead up to finally being like, okay, I'm going to stop denying the one thing I want because I would be, I would, all these things I would pursue, I would be somewhat decent at, but when it came down to like getting better at them, there was never that little fire inside me that was like, all right, let's do this. But when wrestling came, like, I remember the first time I ever had that thought, like, is this really worth it? 
I thought about that whole journey. I was like, you're damn right. It's worth it. And I just like, I got so infuriated with myself for even thinking that. So there's definitely those moments where we feel like that or where I feel like that. But then I think about all of those trials and tribulations and mental hurdles that I had to overcome to do it. And I'm just like, nah, man, I said, I said, there's an end goal here. So we're just going to keep pushing through it. Like, I mean, I could, I can even tell you like just recently there was a stint where I wasn't home for like almost three, four weeks. I would be home for like less than 24 hours to do laundry. And then I'd be back on the road doing it. And I was just so exhausted. My body was so beat up and I was so tired. And I'm like, why the hell am I doing this to myself? But then I would go back and watch all like where I started and where I'm at now. And I'm like, that's why I'm doing it because this is a really cool, this is a really cool thing I'm doing with my life. And I waited a long ass time to do it. So we're going to make sure that we're going to leave a legendary story behind us. You know what I mean? Absolutely. Is there any, uh, you know, going through that, is there any wisdom that you can give to people that might be in a similar place right now? Um, the one piece of advice, and I think I've said this in interviews before, the one piece of advice that I always give people who are getting into the wrestling business is find a legitimate school ran by a legitimate wrestler who has not only found success in this business, but has produced successful wrestlers. Um, that is not something I knew when I got into wrestling, but I was very, very fortunate that my journey led me to the right school right away. Um, I can't tell you how many people I've met whose wrestling journeys have gotten halted because they threw all their money into a school and they barely trained them. They barely paid attention to them. They gave them attention for maybe like a month and then said, okay, go out and do indies. And then they're like, wait, what? And then you have all these people who don't know how to work and it's unsafe and all that stuff. And so the one thing I will always be very, very grateful for is as bizarre as my tale was of how I found Team 3D Academy, it was the best school that I could have possibly been trained at in the area that I was in. The Dudleys and Billy Gunn and John Cruz de Rios, like everybody that trained me while I was there, trained me incredibly well, whether it was physically, psychology wise, just being prepared for, for what other wrestlers are like, what the independents are like versus the big leagues and like the etiquette that you have to have, like all those things were immediately taught to me right off the bat. And I got every, every penny's worth that I, I gave to that school. So that's one of the biggest things I will ever forever preach uh, is find And, and that's like the most important thing is legitimate school, legitimate, successful wrestler who has also produced legitimate, successful wrestlers. Because obviously if you, if, if all of those things are present at a school, they've got the right formula. So, right. so you mentioned in, um, I think it was May of 2020, you made your AEW debut and you become sort of a regular on their television and streaming and you were at all out. Um, so as someone that works for many different promotions, what lessons have you gained from working on the national stage that you bring back and utilize at places like mission pro, Coastal Championship Wrestling? Um, I think definitely understanding cameras and angles and and finding your moments. So that's definitely something I, I picked up from there. Because when I was doing a lot of indie shows, it was just floor cams. Mm -hmm. You didn't always have a hard cam and stuff like that. And you didn't have multiple cameras. Uh, so when I started doing AEW, that was like one of the biggest things I had to learn was understanding where all the camera was, understanding how when to pause and find those cameras so they could capture you and get those moments. Um, and I'm still to this day figuring out, because there are some days where I'll go into a match 
and I'll be completely at ease and I'll be like, yeah, this camera, that camera, this camera. <laughs> and then there are other matches where I'm just like, ah, ah, ah. so, I mean, it's, it's still, it's still a learning process, but, um, the other thing too, I think that I learned while at AEW that I, I'm trying to translate into my independent wrestling is, uh, bringing that intensity. There was, there wasn't always like, my work was never bad, but there was always something lacking in it. And even sometimes my transitional movement, I just felt it looked so slow and uh, unintentful. And uh, that was something I noticed change uh, after AEW was the fact that every my movement had more purpose, uh, my kicks, my slams, and any spots that I ran, there was a little bit more purpose and uh, intensity behind them. And that's something that I really appreciated because I think th th those little subtleties are what make uh, a somewhat decent match into a great match. Because I've had matches where I feel like we really didn't do anything. And I'll have people come up to me afterwards and be like, yo, that was great. And I'm like, I'm like, really? Because we didn't do shit. And then we'll go back and watch it. And it was just like, oh, it's because of how intense we were being. So people were really into it because there's nothing better because fans are going to see a lot of the same things over and over again on the show. It's inevitable, right? Right. So the way that you make it, uh, you keep them captivated is the different way that you execute it. And that's something I've always been very passionate about is always making sure, like, if you ever watch me wrestle, you see, like, I throw my stuff hard and I scream. And, and when something goes really, really good, like, I feel it a lot. Um, and I think that is something that helps differentiate my work from other people's and gets people excited and be like, oh, oh my gosh, like when you hit her, oh, I felt it. And, you know, and that's, that's something that really helps fans get into it. And that's something that I learned a lot through AEW. And well, at AEW, you have worked against at one time or another, everybody, every person that has ever held a women's title in AEW, you've, you've wrestled them all. Yeah. Nyla Rose, Hikaru Shida, Britt Baker, Thunder Rosa, Jade Cargill. You've wrestled them all. Uh, so is there anybody in that company that you haven't faced that you would like to work against or someone that you have unfinished business with that you need to kind of go back and have another, mm. another go at? Oh my gosh. I'm trying to remember. I mean, I mentioned all the champions, but I think you've probably wrestled just about everybody. I think I, I haven't wrestled some of the new girls that are there now. Um, I would love to have another match with Ty Conti. Uh, her and I had a really great match. And it was one of those things where her and I were very, like when we found out we were wrestling each other, we were very excited. And then when the match was over, we were like, yo, can you imagine if we just had a little bit more time and ability to tell a story? I said, we would, we would kill each other. It'd be great. I would love to wrestle her again. So maybe that's my unfinished business answer. Um, and not to like, the other person I would really love to wrestle or even tag with is like Ruby Soho. Um, we we kind of have sure similar hair things going on. Uh, <laughs> or even Anna J. You know, I never wrestled Anna J. Anna oh. J is like one like before they started signing more girls. Anna J was like the one girl I never wrestled. Um, so yeah, that would be that would be a fun matchup because she her wrestling has changed a lot since I first met her too. So that would be a really really cool. We, we we both kick a lot, so <laughs> we would we would we would definitely have a lot of a, a big strike match. So your your career, you know, in AEW and and elsewhere, it's kind of taken you national now. But you've worked at least once per month at Coastal Championship Wrestling, so it, it must be nice to know 
that there is a demand right here in Florida for your wrestling and your you. Yeah, I mean, before AEW, Florida has since I started my wrestling career, Florida's been my home base. And uh, now, now that I'm kind of easing out of AEW a little bit, uh, CCW, like we we were transitioning schools and we we came to CCW, and it just so happened that they had a storyline they wanted me to be in. And we've been having a great time with it and being able to to be here every week and get those fans excited about the women's division and and this this beauty right here. Sorry, I'm doing a bad job. This beauty right <laughs> here, it's it's really cool because I, I I told Nelly and I told all the guys there, it's like one of the biggest things that's been missing from my career lately is is the storytelling and the feuds and all that stuff. It's like I've had all these matches, but I've never had a really big feud and uh that's something that we've we've gotten to do here at ccw and uh i had got to have a lot of interaction and matches with maria tucker and i think we did a really good job of, of getting people excited about the stories that we were telling between her and i um and the creative process has been really fun just just f figuring out ways to be absolutely ridiculous with each other is always great um yeah i i love no matter where I'm going off to, I love coming back to CCW and knowing that we're going to continue telling that story and, and having some really great matches. You won the CCW championship back in January and people can go watch that match on episode, a live episode number 70 on YouTube. You appeared after the match to be a, a little emotional. So I wanted, to, I wanted to ask you to tell us about that experience of winning the CCW championship and what did that moment mean to Kylan King? I mean, it, it's kind of going back to what we, we talked about at the very beginning is uh, it's it's one of those things where you kind of, once you start the journey, you kind of just put your head down and you start grinding and you don't really pay attention to everything that's happening. Like, like you know, you do, but you're just trying to get through it, if that makes any kind of sense. Um, so, you know, you're going through all these trials and tribulations, you're making all these sacrifices, you're doing all these things that sometimes aren't the greatest decisions and you're just saying like it, it'll all be worth it it'll all be worth it we're just trying to get you know we're just trying to make this happen and be successful and and find our foot in this business um and i think winning that title was one of those moments where it, it hit me and i was like it's it all paid off it was all worth it there are people who are invested in my work now invested in my career who want me to represent their companies and to me that's a big deal that's a that's a big um that's a lot of trust from from somebody who has a company that they run quite a bit uh, multiple times a month and they're trying to put it on a grand stage and they trust you to undertake that task. Like that's that's a big deal to me. And that's something that I've been working for. So somebody would have that trust in me to, to give me that opportunity in that position. Um, so when I won the title not, and it, it was one of those things where I was kind of in a place of insecurity because I wasn't sure what was going on with AEW. I wasn't sure, you know, what was going like I had other places that I was talking to, but nothing was for certain. And I was in one of those places where I was like, does anybody give a crap about what I'm doing? Like I'm working so hard. I'm bumping all the time. Like my, my body kills me. My, I'm mentally torturing myself all the time, just trying to work and get better and better and better. I was like, does anybody even care? Is anybody paying attention? And then I, we had that match and the crowd's reaction when I got the three, just like blew me away. Cause I had only, yes, I work for the Florida scene a lot, 
but I had only worked at that promotion once before, or not, I shouldn't say that promotion, that, that venue, that, that mm -hmm. location, the, the yeah. bash of the brew, I'd only worked that show once before. So I had no expectations of what this crowd was going to feel when I won the title. And uh, when I got that three, that crowd lost their, for lack of, sorry, they lost their shit. They were, they were <laughs> so excited. And it was, I, I talked to everybody backstage. None of us were expecting that. So it was one of those moments where not only did I have somebody who was putting a lot of trust in me by making me their women's champion, um, those fans themselves were so incredibly happy with that change. And that was really, really cool to me because I was like, oh, people do care. People are paying attention. How awesome is that? Um, and yeah, so it was a very emotional moment because all the days of having no food to eat or almost being homeless, like all of those, those sacrifices and moving away from home and never seeing my family. I've been home in the last six years. I've probably been home to see my family like twice. Like I just recently missed my brother's wedding. Like there's a lot of things that you have to give up and, and not and miss out on in order to day in and day out every single week be on it and be, and to matter. Um, so just all those little things and then the crowd's reaction on top of that and just having that faith be put in me just just brought some emotion out of me that I wasn't expecting. And I, I, I teared up a little bit. <laughs> it was a super special moment. And I think even if people go back and sometimes the energy doesn't doesn't always translate on the into the on the camera but if right. you watched that episode it did that crowd exploded bill alfonso's on commentary and he's going crazy uh, yeah so it, it was a really cool moment for sure you've wrestled her three times this year is she your biggest rival you think so far in your career i think so yeah i've had i've had a couple um I had a bit of a, a rivalry with Anna Diaz at GWA, but we, we never had like animosity for each other. It was never like super personal. It was just about wanting to be the women's champion. So I think, I think this is probably the most uh, intense feud I've ever had uh, and, and most detailed feud I've ever had because there is actually like things going on behind the scenes as opposed to just when we're in front of the fans. Mm -hmm. And that's something that I've always wanted to do. Like as soon as, as soon as this feud started, I said, we need to have cameras backstage. We need to have people filming backstage because I want it all captured. I want us to do all the things. So um, that's been like the coolest part of all of this is just getting to tell the story, not when we're just in front of the fans inside a ring, but all the other details that go into it to really make it a little bit more personal. I don't want to give anything away about the cage match. I'm sure it'll air on a live really soon and people will enjoy watching the match without any sort of preview, but a steel cage match in CCW is somewhat rare and it's never happened yeah. at Bash at the Brew. So I just wonder your thoughts on competing in the first one that's been at Bash at the Brew. And, and was it your first cage match? It was my first cage match. Yes. Uh, I have to tell you when I found out we were having it, I was shocked. I was completely shocked. I was like, wait, are you sure you want us to have it? Like, okay. Um, and I even told Nellio too, I was like, this is going to be my first cage match. So I'm, I'm sorry if I let you down. I don't think we did. I think we did a pretty good job. But uh, yeah, it was, it was wild. Like I just, for me, like I just really wanted to tell that story of the cage being, you know, the weapon and, and being the story of the match and uh, it being the thing that ends it all. You know what I'm yeah. saying? And uh, 
And I really got, I was really excited about that. And I think it's really cool that in my first like legit feud is that's where it gets to end at. Because like I said, I've never had a feud like this before. And uh, again, that's all of the guys at CCW having faith in me and trusting me to do that. Because not only is it a rare thing at CCW, but I think it's a rare thing for women on the indies, period. We have been talking with CCW Women's World Champion, Kylan King, and we have more Kylan coming up in just a second. But first, I want to show you the conclusion of match number two between Kylan King and Marina Tucker. The venue is Port St. Lucie. Here it is. Egypt hanging the balance as Tucker and King fighting back and forth. Tucker has the advantage now. Off that middle turnbuckle. She connects with a blockbuster. Here we go. Hooks the outside leg. New champion on its way. And up two and a half. Somehow Kylan hangs on. Tremendous second ever by Kylan King. She is not going to let go of the championship that easy. And Tucker showing signs of frustration now. What is she doing? So she's trying to tear off that turnbuckle. And she's enlisting the help of Christopher Costa. Boom! She caught her with a roundhouse boot right to the head. And now Kylan is that pump handle. Chris Costa, he's worried about that turnbuckle on the near side. Oh, wait a minute. Oh, no. No, 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 no. She's got her hands on that belt. Costa. Oh, wait a minute. Maria Tucker. Oh, she's got the title. He's nailed her in the lower back. Costa sees it, and that's got to do it. Ladies and gentlemen, this match has been sought by disqualification and still your champion, Kylie King. So Marina Tucker allows her emotions to get the best of her here. She nails King right in the kidney area with that championship. Kylie remains the champion. Attention wrestling fans, the place to be each and every Tuesday is on the Coastal Championship Wrestling YouTube channel, where a new episode of CCW, A Live Wrestling, drops at 7 p.m. Witness the hard-hitting, high-flying action that is synonymous with the longest-running independent wrestling promotion in the southeastern United States. Subscribe today, and don't you dare miss it. I don't think you see a lot of right. girls get cage matches, especially in Florida. I don't think I've ever seen a girls match cage match in Florida. Maybe. I don't know. I don't know. But uh, <laughs> so, you know, I was I was very um, I was very honored that they trusted me and Marina to have that experience together. Not only because not only is it a rare occasion, but we got to do it on one of our biggest venues of all sure. the Bash of the Brew. And that crowd is always so infectious and so energetic. And what a great place to do it at. So I was very, I was very, very honored. Yeah. Some, it was uh, when I was, I spoke to Nilio on the show last week and he said, sometimes the match needs a story, but sometimes the story needs the match. And in this case, the story needed the match. So yes. I think that's uh, a really, you know, interesting distinction. You don't see these cage matches all the time. And I think it's probably because you don't see these stories that much. This has been a great story. A vicious rivalry, yeah. like you said, all the backstage attacks. Two previous matches, one one that people can see on a live seventy. That's the title change. The rematch at, on a live eighty that was in Port St. Lucie, and now back to to bash at the brew for the cage match. So, big Not story. To her, big match feel. her attacking me backstage, and then attacking me in a public bathroom, and then me hiding in her car. You know, there's a lot of there's a lot of things that went down. Absolutely.
So let's talk about your opponent for St. Lucie Showdown. Uh, that's April 26th, 22nd in Port St. Lucie. Tickets are available at CoastalChampionshipWrestlingFL.com. So it's Ashley Dumbois, and she's somebody you've faced before, not in yes. CCW, but on in AAW. What's different when you face somebody the second time? Um, for in this instance, um, the, a huge difference because uh, the first time I wrestled her, we, we didn't have a lot of time, so our interaction was very, very short. But despite that, not only this, we're gonna have a, a, a better stage to have a match on, a more competitive match, but also if you keep up with her work, oh my gosh, she's gotten so good. I just recently watched um, some footage of her and Katie Arquette, and they had a killer, killer match. And if you know anything about me, whether I like you or don't like you, I want to have a really good competitive match. And uh, she, I, I was watching just so many little details about her work since, since I got to work her has changed. And I'm like, holy cow. Like, I, I'm so excited to get back in the ring with her. And I heard it's her birthday that day. Oh, or no. <laughs> it's either her birthday or that's the weekend of her birthday. I can't remember. So I might bring her like a little cake. I don't know. We'll, we'll see, you know. Uh, Cakes and wrestling never work out well. <laughs> right, right. So we'll, we'll at least save it for post-match. I don't want her to get any uh, any cake in the ring. So we'll, we'll save it for post-match. But uh, yeah, no, so I'm, I'm very excited for her. And she's always had such a good uh, spirit and good uh, competitive, uh, for lack of a better word, spirit again. Like she's she's just a really good person. So I'm really, really excited to get in the ring and see what we bring out of each other this time. Because like I said, a lot has changed about her wrestling since I last saw her. And I think a little bit has changed about mine too. So I think we'll definitely have a ferocious match and just we'll have a nice balance between technicality and just beating the crap out of each other. So it'll be good. <laughs> so, I, and I know you live in, you live in Florida now, but mm -hmm. Do you think she has the home field advantage? She's not far from home. Does that make a difference? Is she from Port St. Lucie? Um, Fort Lauderdale, I think. Oh, Fort Lauderdale. Well, I'm from the Fort Lauderdale. Well, I'm the, I, I didn't grow up there. From, she grew up there. You're from Painesville, Ohio, right? I'm from I Painesville, think Ohio. Like it's not a real place, but <laughs> we know it is. <laughs> it is a real place. I actually, I started adding that into my entrance because I thought that would be really funny because a lot of people are just like Painesville. That, that sounds fake. And I'm like, no, it's real. I was born and raised. Uh, so I, I told the announcer at a recent show I just did. I'm like, hey, can you like add that? Can be like from Painesville, Ohio. And yes, it is a real place. <laughs> and, then, and then my name or whatever. I was like, yeah, I think I like that. I think we're going to do that. Um, I mean, there's definitely the possibility. The last time I was in Port St. Lucie, it wasn't, uh, the vibe wasn't leaning towards Kylan King. Because, you know, I've never wrestled there before. You, you have... That's the thing that people have to remember is CCW has been in Florida and has been around Florida for a while now. Mm -hmm. And uh, a lot of the people who have helped build the company and built the divisions um, that are known there are probably going to end up getting a better reception than somebody who just started, especially somebody who just started and won the title at a different location and nobody got to be a part of it and witness it. So it's just a matter of me showing up and showing out and hopefully getting the people behind me because, you know, I love, I love the, people you know i got nothing against them unless they boo me and then we have a problem no i'm just kidding uh, <laughs> but um you know they cheer for her they cheer for me we're still gonna have a really good match and uh 
as much as I love a good vibe from the crowd, it doesn't affect my ability to work, to fight, and to remain the champion. So I think we'll be good. But I mean, it is her birthday, so it'll be nice to have people behind her there. So there's there's nothing wrong with that. Sure. So uh, I guess last question. You and and somewhat maybe you have answered it a little bit, but I'll ask you to take a different spin on it. Um, you've achieved a lot in wrestling already, and I know there's much more ahead of you. Um, if there is a mini Kylan King out there watching this interview, someone that wants to be just like Kylan King when she grows up, what advice do you have for them? I know you you mentioned the bit about the training school, but you know if there's the eight year old girl right now, what what advice do you give her? The things that I dealt with when I were a kid, I had a lot of insecurities. Um, I was always told that I was too tall, too pale, too loud, uh, that I that I talked too much, all that good stuff. Um, and every single thing that I was told was wrong with me when I was younger is what makes me great today in the wrestling business. Wow. So. So I would say to anybody who's younger, who's looking at me and, and seeing similarities or seeing something they aspire to be, I would say anything that makes you different, that some people want to make you feel weird about, nah, man, because I guarantee you that's the most special thing about you. So hold on to that. Excellent. Well, you can follow Kylan King on Twitter at Kylan King. Anything else you want to uh, mention? Um, yeah, at Kylan King, Twitter, Instagram. I have a Facebook as well. I post a lot of the stuff about CCW on there. And uh, if you ever want merch from the King, um, but you can't get it at a show or I don't have the right size or something for you, you can go to fullygimmicks.com, type in my name, and I got a bunch of merch on there as well. Excellent. Well, thank you very much. And uh, we will see you at St. Lucie Showdown on April 22nd. Thank you. Thank you. What a great episode with Kylan King. We have more plans for the coming weeks, but don't be afraid to drop us the suggestion on who you think should be on the show. Follow us on social media on Minutes to Bell Time on Facebook and Instagram and Minutes to Bell Time on Twitter. And be sure to watch a live wrestling every Tuesday on the CCW YouTube channel and follow Coastal Championship Wrestling on Facebook and Twitter. We'll see you next week. We still have no official. You have been watching CCW Insider, produced by Minutes to Bell Time in association with Coastal Championship Wrestling.